welcome to another episode of Magic in the Mundane. Magic in the Mundane is a podcast that traverses the nuanced avenues of intimate interconnection between all things. In this podcast, we will be using the time-tested laws of nature, the observable rhythms and cycles of our embodied everyday experience, and the signposts and markers of archetypal wisdoms born from esoteric systems such as the I Ching, astrology, the Kabbalion, human design, and the gene keys in order to find our way. Specifically, to find our own unique way. The intent of this podcast is to create coherence between the technical and the intuitive. Coherence between the heart and the mind, the art and the science, the individual and the collective, as to inspire integrated insight and epiphany-evoking language that will holistically orient you to the legitimacy of your ever-changing human experience. Thank you for your trust as you tune in. My name is Alyssa Trube, and I will be your podcast host, your guide, so to speak, on this wild ride that we call Being Alive. Welcome back to another episode of Under the Influence, which, as you very well know by now, Under the Influence is a flavor of the Magic in the Mundane podcast where we talk about the cosmic fluid, (laughs) the influence of the above, of the cosmos, of the archetypes of planets as they move through constellations, specifically the 12 constellations of the zodiac. Now, just as a little bit of a grounding point here, first off, take a deep breath in through your nose. Feel yourself drink in the air around you. Feel your belly expand. And on your exhale, really drop any tension you are holding in your shoulders in your jaw, in your belly, in your hips. And again, breathe in through your nose, this time closing your eyes as you pull the breath to the top of your head, dropping it on your exhale all the way down to your asshole. Yes, that's right. Drop it all the way down there, all the way down to the root. And again, breathe in, letting the belly expand. Exhaling, really just letting yourself land letting your awareness land in the physical vessel that is your body, your body, your form. Sometimes I notice when we consume information, information that, of course, is run through the filter of the mind, we pop up to the visual plane, to the mental plane. And my ask as you listen to this, whether you're walking or driving or sitting or dancing or Whatever you're doing is to just continuously, when you notice something really resonate or you notice something prickle your spikes or you notice something hit your heart or you notice something make you emotional, is please breathe into it. Taking a deep breath in through the nose and out. Letting the belly stay soft and the spine stay strong and the heart stay open. And letting yourself stay grounded into the physical vessel, the sensing vessel that is your body, 
as you consume this information. Now, the reason I say this is because right now it feels quite like we are at a juncture, a point, a nexus, all of us, not necessarily together, together, absolutely. But what I'm talking about right now is this internal individual awareness that I've noticed cropping up and coloring almost every single person's experience that I come into contact with. And this nexus point is this kind of objective awareness that is blooming of, hey, wow, I live in a body. And who am I? What is this consciousness? Whoa, hmm, I'm noticing that I tend to identify with my thoughts and my emotions, even as I'm saying this, right? Oh, I identify with my thoughts and my emotions. And seeing how this is a habit of identifying with the sensation and the awareness that moves through the physical vessel. Is this bad? Who am I to say? Is it good? Also, who am I to say? But what I'm noticing is this kind of juncture, this crossroads of us saying, huh, you know, what would life be like if we stopped white knuckling to emotions? What would life be like if rather than feeling a sensation or an emotion that made us feel uncomfortable, that prickled our spikes, rather than feeling that and then assuming something is wrong, what if I just watch it? And what if I resist the temptation to add value, to name, to create an answer, a formula, a solution in order to relieve pressure? What if I resist the temptation to do that? And instead, what if I just let myself feel it, allow myself to move through the emotion, the sensation, the awareness, rather than assigning a narrative to it in order to try to orient myself to what is quote-unquote truth through the lens of the mind based on what I've been taught to add or to define emotions or sensations as. Now this, as it's been rising in our collective awareness, each individual for themselves, is the Aquarian age. We don't just snap our fingers and all of a sudden, oh, Pluto's in Aquarius, everything's going to fall to the ground, here we go. <laughs> no. Just like the turn of the year and the slow bleed of winter into spring and the slow bleed of spring into summer into autumn into winter into spring into summer into autumn into winter into spring into autumn into summer, right? Oh, summer comes before autumn. That's what happens when you try to think about it. <laughs> Seasons and cycles and rhythms bleed into each other. And so, you know, when we laid the foundation for Pluto moving through the 60th gate, the last degrees of Capricorn and the very first degrees of Aquarius, what we're looking at is not these structures falling to the ground immediately. What we're looking at is, hey, there's a rising awareness. And that rising awareness probably feels a little bit like what we just named. Think about it for a second. I can stand here and tell you, oh yeah, 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 the cosmos reflect our experience as above, so below, the law of correspondence. Okay, do you agree? Now, if you agree, would you not also agree that 
everything corresponds and would you not also agree that for example the algorithm that you use when you tune in to spotify or you tune in to instagram or tiktok and you pay your attention to certain content certain emotions certain thoughts certain words you pay your attention you spend time viewing it you spend time with your attention on it you spend time feeling the emotions that it conjures in your body and being moved by them would you not agree that the more time you spend on that content the more it becomes real the more you are moved by it influenced by it maybe and so can we not see how In this Aquarian age, we get a real dose of interconnection. We get a real dose of, hey, hmm, yeah, maybe the things I'm paying attention to are the things that I am reinforcing. And so, yeah, maybe when I have that uncomfortable emotion and I pay so much attention to it and I start identifying with it and I start trying to fix it and find all these reasons for it so that I can change them and create solutions, oh, maybe I'm paying a lot of attention to and therefore perpetuating, reinforcing the algorithm of said experience, of said emotion. Maybe you've been noticing this as above, so below. As below, so above. As within, so without. Everything is corresponding. Maybe. And, just like the law of correspondence comes from the Kabbalion, from the Hermetic Laws, so too does the law of mentalism. All is mind. Mind is all. This is a concept that we're going to tackle on a totally different episode. In fact, I thought it was going to be the first episode, but... By the time I said, you know what, yeah, this this podcast needs to be birthed, there were so many and are so many significant astrologicals aboves that are absolutely being corresponded, mirrored in our human, thonian, gritty, mundane below. So, we start here. But the reason I just said all of that is to be ultra clear of this. That process, the objective observation, the science of watching our experience, the art and science of magic, the art and science of changing the reality, of causing change to occur in accordance to one's will, the definition of M-A-G-I-C-K, that is an Aquarian phenomenon. To say, oh, okay, this is all a science and not the science we've been conditioned through all of the global happenings and all of the consumerism to say, oh, it's science. We got to trust science. No, 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 no. Science should never be trusted. Skepticism is the law of science. So try it on. Watch it for yourself. This is Aquarian. Fixed air. Fixed air. And you know what's really interesting? And we'll get into it as we look at the transits in just a moment. But what's really interesting is that a lot of Aquarian gates, if you're looking at the human design body graph, live in the emotional solar plexus. Now, I personally would not ever guess that Aquarius was emotional. Fixed air? (laughs) Sure, maybe air is a type of fluid. 
But my guess is that as we emerged from seven centered beings into nine centered beings, energy centers, the seven centered being into the nine centered being, as that occurred, how we are meant to process emotion, move emotion through our body and be aware of emotion is changing. And as Pluto just finished up, or is just about to finish up when it pops into the gate 41, the Aquarian gate 41, it is in Aquarius now, but it's in the gate 60. Go listen to that Pluto in the gate 60 episode. My guess is that as Pluto has moved through all the gates, and in doing so, Pluto bringing its destruction, creation, death, resurrection, destroy, mutate, essentially chaos to create a new way, energy to each gate, how we are meant to interface with emotion is really changing. And I would say that, though, confirmation bias is absolutely a thing, and I'm just going to name that. I would also say this is supported by the 2027 solar plexus mutation through the lens of human design when the grand program we are under shifts again a rabbit hole for another time but the point here the distillation of what i am saying as we start this episode before we go into the planetary transits is simply this what comes next will be a product an effect of the causes that you are currently moving through. Meaning, me and you, we, are responsible for playing with and paying attention to what's occurring internally for us right now. These changes, these shifts, these awarenesses. And paying attention not just to the changes and the shifts and the awarenesses, but also how those changes and shifts and awarenesses impact the external, how they influence how we interface with what is outside of us. Now, again, this is your choice. You don't have to do any of this. But in my opinion, and it's just that, it's just my opinion. If we can pay attention to these awarenesses around emotion, I mean, think about emotion. We talked about it a little bit in the shit castles episode in the first episode the shit room shit castles episode but you know even just 10 15 years ago we had a totally different perception of emotion than we do now think about how you relate to emotion how you either react to it or you you know wait it through no truth in the now solar plexus awareness how you know or not that you need to move energy, emotional energy through your body. Otherwise, it stagnates and creates density in your field. I mean, just think about the new awarenesses we have in emotional awareness and intelligence, in intelligence of different types of intelligence, right? The awareness of different types of intelligence, the intelligence we've gotten on that in the last 15 years. The awareness of all of these different types of cognitions and ways of experiencing the world? Do we not see how this is setting us up for the reinforcement? Again, I have a cognitive bias here, but the, the reinforcement of, hey, go your own way. Find your own way. And the way you do that is by turning in and watching 
where you are having your own experience and where conditioning has made you interface with that experience in a way that's not really helpful. In a way that says, ah, 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 no, 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 that's wrong. That's wrong. Oh, no, no, don't go there. Shame, shame, guilt, guilt. And again, shame and guilt aren't necessarily bad. They are part of the human process, part of the human experience. But the way we experience them is fascinating based on conditioning. So as we dive into talking about the last couple weeks, not even, yeah, about two weeks of Aquarius season and Mercury and Venus and Mars moving through Aquarius, you know, finishing their transits through Capricorn and then, you know, passing through what I'll call the kind of Pluto portal, the Pluto portal. As they move through Aquarius, Mercury already has, it did on February 5th, two days ago. And then we look at, for example, the outer planets, Saturn and Jupiter, Uranus, Neptune. As we do, just remember, these are all influences that are moving us slowly, subtly. So as long as we keep moving slowly, subtly, observing our own experience, noticing what's true for us, noticing what's true for you, and noticing where what's true for you rubs up against your conditioning in a way that creates discomfort. And we say, hmm, is discomfort bad? Is discomfort bad? Sometimes. Sometimes it might be an indicator of lack of safety. But I think for many of us, especially those of us who are listening to this podcast, it's time to recalibrate. Because we live in relative safety, we have our basic needs met. It's time to recalibrate how we perceive discomfort and what value we add to it. So with that all being said, that's my little, uh, (laughs) that's my little Aquarius soapbox here because, you know, it's all rhythms. It's all cycles. Nothing happens in the blink of an eye. Everything has cause and effect and ripples and correspondence. So just remember, there's no pressure to get it all right right now. But the more you can engage with your own experience internally and see how that internal experience is mirrored back to you, to we, to me, to us all the time, the more we're going to get the point of Pluto and Aquarius as this world starts to really shift after the significant amount of time that Pluto spent in Capricorn really asking us to decondition. Pluto, death, resurrection, Capricorn, conditioning. (laughs) So let's set the cosmic stage here. Before we go into the deep dive, we have the sun, which is always diametrically opposed to the earth, meaning they are always in opposite gates. They are always in opposite signs. Opposite signs are the same energy. They're the same energy, but totally different in degree. Okay? So just remember that. We can't really understand one without understanding the other. They always share that axis that is exactly opposite. 
So right now we have the sun in Aquarius and the sun is transiting through the gate 13. It's been there for the handful of last days. The gate 13 is the gate of fellowship with man. It lives in the G center, which by the way, if you are not multitasking and you are like, Oh, I really want to understand the depth of this information beyond just how it hits my mind immediately, pull open your body graph. Pull up in your human design body graph and look at where these gates live because when you understand where the gates live, where the I Ching hexagram correlates with a spot on the body graph and the energy of that center, you really start to see a different storyline, a deeper storyline, a more personal storyline. So you've got the sun in the gate 13, fellowship with man, the gate of the listener, Aquarius. This is a collective abstract gate and you also have the earth diametrically opposed exact energy except opposite in degree in the gate seven the gate seven is logical circuitry it is the army the gate seven is this kind of behind the scenes influence this guiding force now tomorrow february 8th the sun will transit into the gate 49 again another aquarian gate the gate of revolution also called rejection or principles and the earth will move into the gate four okay so the the sun and earth are moving from being in g center identity love and direction gates the 13 and the seven to the gate 49 the gate of revolution solar plexus gate and the gate four, the gate of youthful folly or formalization in the heads and uh, excuse me, in the Ajna. In the Ajna. Aquarius 49, solar plexus, Leo, gate four, Ajna. And those sun and earth placements will be where the new moon occurs on February 9th in the gate 49 at 20 degrees of Aquarius. Okay, now on February 14th, the sun and earth will move from the gate 49 and the gate four respectively into the gate 30, again, a solar plexus gate, and the gate 29, which is a sacral gate. The gate 30 is the gate of clinging fire, and the gate 29 is the gate of the abysmal. <laughs> Gotta love the I Ching names. I mean, they're just amazing compared to the human design, clinging fires, feelings, which says a lot. And the gate 29, the abysmal, is the gate of commitment. And those two gates, the 30 and the 29, are the last gates of Aquarius before the sun and earth pop into the 55 and the 59, respectively which starts Pisces season. So just so you have that kind of, okay, we have, you know, a couple more sun, earth transits through Aquarius, sun, earth, Leo, and then Pisces season starts. And in that time, we have Mercury, which is already in Aquarius, currently in the gate 41, passed through the Pluto gate 65th line portal on February 5th, we have Venus currently in the gate 54, the marrying maiden, the gate of ambition, Capricorn gate, passing through the 
Pluto portal on February 17th. And then we have Mars in the gate 61, the gate of inner truth or mystery, Capricorn gate, passing through the Pluto portal into Aquarius on February 13th. So Valentine's Day week's going to be fun. And when I say fun, I mean challenging. You know, we're going to get to interface with what we just talked about. Hey, 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 you've been conditioned to respond to this feeling, this impulse, this thought in a certain way, but is that actually serving you? What perceptions need to shift? How can you be more objective in your awareness, Aquarius, in order to watch what's actually happening, in order to observe your experience and collect the patterns that help you to better orient to what is true for you as opposed to what conditioning tells you is true? So those are the inner planets. Mercury, Venus, Mars. Now, when I'm saying the Pluto portal, <laughs> I'm not trying to be hyper-Plutonian here, but you know, my understanding of Pluto uh, by way of Ra-Uruhu is that it's in, and Jeffrey Wolf Green um, and also Rosalila's Timothy Leary, who is an astrologer as well, is that Pluto is incredibly mutative. So when a planet nestles up to it, when they're conjunct, and then it moves by, the planet goes, ooh, cuddle with Pluto for a second, and then move by, that planet is going to have a little bit of a mutation happen. I mean, think about for a second when you're around someone who's quite Plutonian, you know, who's always changing and shifting and, and staying true to what's true for them. Are you not impacted by that? Again, whenever you go, what do you mean, Alyssa? Think about the archetypes and then think about how those archetypes play out in your life. As Mercury nestled into Pluto and then passed through, it's going to be impacted. It's going to be influenced. And as Venus does on the 17th and Mars on the 13th, their energies are going to be impacted. Hey, what's true? What's true? And again, it's all relative. So, in addition to Mercury, Venus, and Mars moving from Capricorn into Aquarius, or as with Mercury, it's already in the sign of Aquarius. And again, Aquarius is no better a sign than any other. It's just what's up right now. Saturn is in the gate 37. Saturn being the planet of discipline, boundaries, discernment, structure, time right? Correlated with the sign of Capricorn. Saturn is transiting through the gate 37 and the gate 37 is the Piscean gate of family. This is a solar plexus gate. It creates a kind of awareness of who can provide what. And so right now, if you are someone who typically has the gate 40 as a hanging gate in your uh, will center or your ego, then Saturn transiting through the 37 where it will be for another minute or two cosmically which is a significant amount of time you'll be under the influence of the channel of community the will to the solar plexus and that channel creates an influence of emotional endurance it creates an influence of working for the community 
But also, there's tribal themes there of love, honor, and obey that are probably being deconditioned based on all of the other planetary influence. Now, Jupiter is in Taurus and has been since last spring, but it just popped into the gate 24, which is the gate of rationalization, which is an Ajna gate. If you have, for example, the gate 61 as a hanging gate in your defined head, you're under the influence of a def- uh, excuse me, in your defined Ajna, you're under the influence of a defined head center, if you didn't already have one, by way of the channel of awareness, which is an individual channel. It's very spontaneous. It is incredibly acoustic. If you're under the influence of this channel, you don't want to identify with the thoughts in your head center or the downloads or the inspirations or in your Ajna. You simply want to watch them and let them inform you. Now, despite the fact that this channel of awareness is called the design of a thinker, we don't actually want to force thinking. (laughs) We want to get into flow. We want to get into the body, get into autopilot, whether that's you going for a walk or a run or a bike ride or dancing or, you know, doing anything you do in autopilot, cooking a meal, uh, building something with wood, with your hands, with, you know, anything that's a skill set that you can do in autopilot cleaning your house, whatever it might be, doing that and letting your awareness open up. You know, this is where I'll plug autoerotic practice, breathing into the body, using sensation as a grounding force and opening up your awareness so that you can get those acoustic downloads by way of the channel of awareness. This is what I teach in erotic integration. Yep, it's not just about sex. It's about all the ways that sexual energy can be an entry point into personal awareness and interpersonal connection. Okay, so then we go and we look at Uranus. Uranus is the planet of freedom, the impetus for freedom, the genius, the weirdo, the sidetrack, right? It's very closely correlated with Aquarius and It is right now actually uh, in Taurus, another fixed sign. So it's going to be squaring this new moon and it's in the gate 23. The gate 23 is an individual gate called splitting apart. Assimilating and explaining this gate has the ability to take away. We've talked about it a little bit in prior episodes, the moral lens in order to understand things beyond the realm of good and bad. Now, we also have Neptune in the gate 36, which we've also talked about a little bit, the gate 36, darkening of the light, the gate of crisis, where Neptune has been now since first May 2021. And then it popped out and then it went back into the gate 36 and it's been there since March 2022. And this gate 36 is an experiential emotional gate so if you have the gate 35 in your throat center and you have that as a hanging gate usually you've been for these last couple years under the influence of the channel of transitoriness a channel that throws us into experiences in order to understand better in order to gain experiential wisdom but usually especially the not self 
There's kind of this thrusting of self into experiences out of a fear of inadequacy, and that creates crisis because holy shit, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> or I didn't expect that, or that's not what, that doesn't match up with my expectation. And you can see, you know, Neptune being the collective unconscious, how really, yeah, right now we are in a marinade of crisis. And again, this doesn't mean that alarm bells need to be going off in your head. This is the age of Aquarius. And so it is what you make it. Now, I say that from the comfort of my home and not under the pressure of a genocide like in Palestine. So it's all relative. Yeah. And the more I look at these transits and the more I ask myself, how can we actually affect global change? How can we actually cause global change? How do we actually change? The only way seems to be from the internal. From the internal. Right? Let's not copy symptoms of what we think is the exalted human expression because we've been conditioned to think it. And instead, let's get really reverent to what's true for us. Now, let's start by looking at the sun in a little bit more depth, just finishing up its gate 13 transit. The gate 13 being a G-center gate, fellowship with man, the gate of the listener. Now, this is a gate. The reason I want to look at this, even though we're at the very end of this transit, is because the gate 13 asks us to reflect on what has already occurred. Record and reflect on what has already occurred. You can almost think of this gate as the gate that likes to tell and listen to the stories around the fire. Something that's kind of been lost. But that's this gate, this gate 13. It, it listens. And as it listens, it reflects. Right? It says, hey, listen, 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 listen. We have to look at what has occurred, what has already unfolded, the past. We have to look back so that we can discern where we are going. So that we can discern what values we have and whether or not we're embodying them and how we can better embody them in the future. You know, when we don't remember the gate 33, which is the other side of the 1333 channel, the channel of the prodigal, when we don't remember the past, when we don't remember what has occurred, we create an environment of discord. We just keep doing the same old thing, the same old thing, the same old thing, the same old thing. And we think we're trapped there. But it is what we make it. And this is where, you know, again, and I'll be really honest here I don't know what's what's best but there's a difference in my opinion between looking at where we've been and using it to orient using it to discern versus looking at where we've been and identifying with it and getting caught up in the emotional wave of it this gate 13 is not emotional it's the g-center it's orientation so again careful if you go start going oh my gosh it feels so heavy and I'm identifying with the heaviness of it and take a second to see how again this gate 13 says yeah look back see where you have been notice the patterns notice the experience remember peace 
the pieces together. That way, we don't have a collective environment of discord, and instead we have one of discernment. The gate 13 is an archetype of discernment. This is what Richard Rudd writes about in the Gene Keys. The quote-unquote gift of the gate 13 is the gift of discernment. Discernment is the quality of being able to grasp, to comprehend that which is obscure. Now, when we start talking about the gate four, which is where the Leo Earth placement will pop into tomorrow, February 8th, you're going to feel the similarities between the gate 13 and the gate four. Again, these Aquarian Leo themes of really knowing that understanding, discernment, recognizing, which requires a certain level of object objectivity, excuse me, to detect with the eyes is to discern, to see and understand the difference. The lack of discernment, you know, whether that comes from just feeling overwhelmed with the amount of information or it comes from not having a sense of inner authority or whatever it comes from creates discord immediately. It creates chaos. It creates this feeling of contempt and it paralyzes us. It makes it so that we cannot move mentally, emotionally, internally. We want to watch behaviors. Watch behaviors and discern accordingly. Right? Last week, the sun was in the gate 19, the earth in the gate 33. The gate 19 is this gate that's very sensitive to the needs of others. And the gate 33 is about remembrance. The gate 19 is the Aquarius gate. And, you know, this gate 19 is also a, a, um, it's a root center gate that presses up toward the solar plexus. And, you know, it's through this, this transit where we kind of are asked to, hey, pull back, look at the sensitivity you have, look at, look at the storyline, look at how you relate to others, look at where you slip in being sensitive into codependency, where you can feel someone else's need and before they even ask you to fulfill it, you simply rush to their aid. And then the relationship dynamic reinforces that over and over and over and over and over and over again. You know, this is in, in many ways, these transits are all related because the 19 is a root center gate pressing toward the emotional center and the 33 is a throat center gate pressing toward the gate 13 in the G center. The other side of the channel of the prodigal. Go have experiences, discern what's occurring in the experience as you retreat as you pull back in order to make sense of and integrate the information so that you can discern the best way forward. That's what we've been sitting in this month. Now, opposite the gate 13, the Aquarian sun placement, we have the earth in the counterpart in the gate seven. Like I said earlier, this is called traditionally the army through the lens of the I Ching, through the lens of traditional human design. We call it the self in interaction and it's the gate seven that uses that gate 13 discernment you know hey we take the patterns of the past gate 13 we look back we see them we take time to remember and to discern what occurred and then we project ourselves into the future the gate seven logical forward looking and we say okay how can we 
use the information we've discerned about what's working and what's not working to better orient us to the future. Again, like I said, the gate seven in its logical circuitry looks forward. And it looks forward by saying, hey, what patterns have served us? What patterns have not served us? And how can we as individuals, G-Center, identity, how can we embody what we're learning as we ask these questions? Where have we been? What did we learn from it? Where are we going? How can we learn from, how can we use what we've discerned to carve a path forward? Okay, now the gate seven is the gate of the army. The army used to be the way that influence was enforced. And if it's not already obvious to you, (laughs) Richard Rudd's Gene Keys make it incredibly obvious when he writes about the gate seven's shadow state being division. Division. So think about for a second right now, the places in the world you see division and you perpetuate it. And I perpetuate it. Think about this for a second, seriously. Think about how easy we get easily, we get caught in the web of us versus them, of left versus right, of dark versus light, of all of the verses. And think about how this gate seven in looking to the future perpetuates the illusion of separateness when it sees the future in terms of us versus them, left versus right, dark versus light. Are we not done playing in that illusion yet? And can you see how the Aquarian Gate 13 in the G Center says, hold on, slow down, discern the patterns. Discern the patterns of the past. Has us versus them, man versus woman, feminine versus masculine, has it ever worked? Or can we not see that these things are simply the same energy but differing in degrees. Light versus dark, left versus right, front versus back, yin versus yang, masculine versus feminine. Is it verse? Or are we simply looking at a spectrum, a relationship, and again, differing in degrees? Think about a line. At one end of a line, dark, the other end, light. Are they not related? Did they not imply each other? And so that's what this gate seven says. It says, remember, as you look forward, that each person, each being, isn't just a body. And that there aren't just bodies of people, us versus them. But that when each person is empowered by their own inner authority, laying down the things that we tightly identify with and laying down the very deeply conditioned. This one's going to take us a while, but I think we can do it. (laughs) It's so deeply entwined and it's entwined in me, which is why I'm laughing. Uh, Laying down the, the perception of hierarchy. Us versus them becomes hierarchical. Which one's better? Which one's right? Which one's wrong? When we can stop perceiving white knuckling to hierarchy and we can stop perceiving 
some party as better than or worse. And instead, we can see that all we need to do is stop perceiving power as being a battle, right? Stop perceiving power as, oh, well, I'm above you. I'm superior to you and therefore I have more power than you or this system is older and therefore it's correct or this and that and whatever stop perceiving power as power over and start perceiving power as power within the g center the gate 7 and the gate 13 identity love and direction when we can stop perceiving this hierarchical dance and start to see how what really matters is that we as individuals feel our own sense of power not by asserting it over anyone, but simply by feeling connected to it, feeling connected to the life force that flows in us, then what will happen is we will create cohesiveness, synergy, dynamism, more trust. And this is what the gates of the G-Center, the Aquarian Gate 13 and the Leonian Gate 7 are reminding us right now is that if we hold a frequency of us versus them, of this versus that, of better or worse, of power over, of superior inferior, we are going to attract, we're going to continue to attract experiences that reinforce that frequency, that reinforce that internal construct. Because as above, so below, as within, so without. And again, I'm saying this all convicted and it is a struggle. It's going to take time. But again, the discomfort that hits the surface of this isn't necessarily bad. It's just uncomfortable because we have marinated in this conditioning for a very long time. So as we close out the sun in the gate 13 and the earth in the gate 7, the G-center gates, remember, hey, the frequency I hold is the frequency I attract. That's the G-Center, home to the magnetic monopole. And if we continue to perpetuate the power dynamics and looking externally to know what way we should go and all of these things and superiority and inferiority and putting people on pedestals and all of this bullshit, then we're going to continue to perpetuate those kinds of experiences. This is the key to the seventh gate through the lens of human design. Use your inner authority to navigate this plane. This is empowerment just like empathy is being within someone's putting yourself in someone else's body in someone else's shoes in someone else's experience empowerment is finding power within not looking to someone else or some god or some system or someone else that you put on a pedestal and going oh how do they want me to do it or you know how should i do it or asking them No, feeling the power within yourself. This is inner authority. Inner authority. And this is how we direct our own way. It's a learning process. (laughs) This is how we decondition. It's a learning process. There's going to be friction. There's going to be moments of, holy shit, that whole structure, that whole construct just shattered around me, erupted, and that's okay, that's okay, because this is how you find your own way, and this is what the G-Center is about, 
direction, orientation, based on your internal authority. And this is going to set us up perfectly for when we talk about the sun moving into the gate 49. Because what we're looking at right now, as we distill and as we sum up, as we culminate our discussion of the sun in the gate 13 and the earth in the gate 7, what we finish our conversation of is this understanding that when we, each of us as individuals, understand that we are here to be true to our form, right? When we hear and understand and feel and resonate with, hey, each of us have a diverse form. Each of us, therefore, have a diverse energy, a diverse body, a different vehicle, and different energies that animate that vehicle, then it becomes very obvious that we're here to go our own way. It becomes a little bit more obvious that there is not one right way. You know, as someone who has, for the last four or five years, looked at every single person's hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of body graphs, so many, maybe even I've hit a thousand, I don't know, there's a lot of body graphs that I've seen. And what you very quickly, what I very quickly come to understand is, whoa, no two of us are the same. No two of us are the same. Sure, you might have the same sun placement. Sure, you might both be a 1-3 or a 6-2, or you might both be projectors or generators. And guess what? You're still vastly different. Even within similar archetypes, you are still vastly different. And that's just looking at strategy, authority, gates, lines, channels. That's not even considering the substructure, the color, tone, and base. We are all very different. And the systems that we've lived in, grown up in, and are busting out of that tell us, oh yeah, yeah, this is the, this is the one way you get educated, and this is the one way you learn, and this is the one way you do relationships, and this is how you do love, and this is how you do sex, and this is how you are smart, and this is how you blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you really quickly go, <laughs> that's bullshit. But it's bullshit that we've marinated in for a really long time, and so it's going to take a sec. This is why we start now, and we allow the unfurling of the process. Now, I want to interject something here, because, again, like I said, it's going to set the stage for understanding the 49 and the 4, which are the gates that the sun is about to move into tomorrow, February 8th. And this is this idea of imitation. This has always been an occurrence, right? We, we go, oh, that's the right way. Let me imitate it. That's the right way. Let me try to be like that. I think it's probably gotten, <laughs> the volume on this has gotten way turned up as we interface with our phones and the process of social media becomes part of our psyche. But this is just a reminder that copying the symptoms of what we think is right or powerful or successful or beautiful or whatever isn't going to actually get us there. You know, it's like, think about the ass backwardness of how we are like, oh, I have to do all these things to my physical body. I have to go to the gym and force myself to go and force myself to eat a certain way and you know, pump Botox into my face and all this stuff to create a certain look. 
for our body. And what does it end up doing? It ends up creating distortion and neuroses and disembodiment and guilt and shame and lack of self-value because we're trying to change things from the outside in. Now, maybe that works for some people. I'm a self-projected projector, so I'm going to project what works for me, which is, you know, exercising because I realize how good it feels. Moving my body because it feels good to move my body, not because I'm trying to get some external result and going, oh yeah, right, aging, this process that's external that's happening to me is actually going to cultivate, catalyze an internal process that maybe I need to go through. You know, maybe it's time to take some of the value away from vanity metrics or vanity in general. Yeah, I'm still vain, but maybe this process of aging is catalyzing something internally that I actually need to go through. Rather than copying symptoms of what other successful women in the field that I'm in look like. Oh, they must be super spiritual and relaxed because their faces aren't aging. If I copy that symptom, what occurs for me? You know, this is where, again, <laughs> you can probably hear some of the edge in my voice. There's no one right way. This is just my opinion. And my opinion is uh, based not just on my own experience, but on watching what occurs when we, when we mimic symptoms outwardly. You know, when we think we have to talk a certain way to certain people. Or we think we have to not share or disclose information to certain people because what if it doesn't resonate with their values? Or we think we need to, you know, kind of wear these different masks or dress a certain way in order to be accepted or whatever the fuck. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's conditioning. And that makes it so that you are just continuing to layer more bullshit layers as opposed to being moved, being oriented, from a place of what's true for you, from a place of your own inner authority. And in being moved from a place of your own inner authority, allowing your own expression, your own symptoms to come to the surface. Okay, so again, this is all interconnected. It's all Aquarian age and it's all up right now as the sun and earth move through these gates that ask us to consider what happens when even one person around us, when even you or me have the moment where we go, oh yeah, hold on, I'm using where I've been and discerning the patterns that work and don't work to pave the path for where I'm going. And where I'm going is going to be born from me staying reverent to my internal authority, whether that's your sacral response, your emotional wave, your splenic response, your G-center, your will center, you know, so on and so forth. But just for a second, consider the permission, the liberation, the deep breath that would occur internally inside of you if you made that right way totally irrelevant. If you made your attachment to all of these right ways obsolete and instead went your own way. 
Now, I want to pop us into the gate 49 because starting tomorrow, February 8th, the sun will be in the gate 49 and the new moon will occur in the gate 49. And so this is the gate of revolution. And the reason that I just spent so long talking about the, the orientation in the right way and this and that is because this gate of revolution is not what you think. And it's really funny because I actually... <laughs> I prepped for these two episodes, or I prepped for this episode thinking it would be two episodes. But the way that the Pluto stuff has been taking my attention and, and asking me to dance with it, you know, that last episode ended up being almost two hours of just Pluto. So we didn't talk about the Sun-Earth gates. So we're doing them in the same episode so that you can get a feel for the themes that are Aquarian in nature. The themes of the I Ching hexagrams of the correlated gates in the human design body graph. This gate 49, this gate of revolution, is a gate where there's mutation happening right now. Just like in the gate 59 and the gate 55. We'll talk about that more when we pop into Pisces season. Um, but for right now, I want to tell you this. Part of how I prepared this morning is looking at my favorite version. It's the Thomas Cleary version of the I Ching. And it is, as you just heard me noisily pull it up from the bottom of the pile, it's the Taoist I Ching. It's literally what it's called. And it always makes me laugh because the writing of the Tao is so simple and so complex and so <laughs> paradoxical. Every single time I read it, I'm like, this is hilarious. And what's funny is that when we think about revolution, We've been conditioned, arguably, to think about revolution as something that happens outside of us, right? Oh, it's revolution is political. Revolution is lots of people coming together to overthrow, right, a system. Yeah, okay, well, revolution is actually moving through something. It's, it's not necessarily a all of a sudden occurrence. It's a process. It's a turning of the wheel. Go look up the word revolution and see what the definition is. Again, it's a process. And when I turned to my favorite version of the I Ching and I looked up this gate, it says, and I quote, revolution simply means overthrowing the ignorance of the self in order to restore illumination. But if one wants to do this, this self-revolution, this dance of overthrowing, it goes on to say that it is, quote, necessary that the self first be understood. Now, when it's talking about this self-evolution and this overthrowing of the self, it says, if we look at the source of pollution, stagnation, and defilement, we see that it comes from having a self. So you can see this kind of paradoxical, hold on, you're saying that you want me to understand myself, but you're also saying that the, the pollution, the stagnation, the defilement, such dramatic words, I love it, comes from having a self, but you want me to understand the self and know the self, what? What? <laughs> this is the gate 49. It's an emotional gate. It's a gate of revolution, of rejection, of principles. And what I think is really interesting about it is what 
we're getting told from this I Ching hexagram. Think about the self, right? My emotions, my thoughts, my ADHD, my anxiety, my depression. That's how we've been taught to perceive the self as an awareness that identifies with things it experiences. Does that not create stagnation? Does that not create white knuckling to the pollution of conditioning? And can we see what they mean in this gate 49, the paradox of, hey, you've got to understand yourself. And you can understand yourself by becoming the Aquarian, fixed air, objective observer, not being moved too much, not being moved too little, but that place that's just right, that place that is moved enough to understand, but not moved enough to identify with. You know, think about this for a second. Again, go back to the Pluto episode and consider the Carl Jung quote. We don't become enlightened by imagining figures of light. We become enlightened by making the darkness conscious, the unconscious, the subconscious conscious. Now here we could argue that what we're looking at isn't necessarily anything to do with consciousness, but more to do, well, <laughs> to do with subconsciousness, but more to do with the conditioning of how we've been taught to perceive emotions and thoughts and experiences. And how when we illuminate, which is literally just to shine light on something, when we actually come to see something, we can understand it. You know, and it's the fourth gate, the opposite of the gate 49, that through the lens of the gene keys, the, the uh, gift is understanding. And yet right here in this gate 49 in the I Ching, in the Taoist I Ching, it says that you need to understand yourself. You need to know yourself, not cling to and identify with what you know about yourself, but understand. To understand is to be sympathetically aware, <laughs> to feel it, but not identify with it. Now this gate 49 through the lens of the Taoist I Ching goes on to say, revolution, which remember, they said revolution is overthrowing the, the stagnant and polluted parts of the self. Revolution is conquering the ego. We could say the ego is not necessarily something that's bad, but when it's running the show and we're, when we have all these attachments to the structure of our reality that we need to stay the same in order to create a sense of safety and therefore we attach to those structures, that creates stagnation. So revolution is conquering the ego. It's quote unquote, burning away the pollution of conditioning. It's maintaining truthfulness and illuminating so that we can understand, so that we can see, so that we can observe. In so many ways, objective observation is the language of Aquarius, ruled by Uranus. Uranus being, you know, th this genius, this new way, this, this science, this, hey, what happens, Promethean impulse, if we give the humans fire? what will occur? And again, think about that. It's a question. It's not a statement. Uranus is dynamic. It's unusual. It gets restless. It's like, I got to see, I got to try it. I got to, I got to observe what's going to happen if I, 
dot, dot, dot. Hence why it creates chaos. Hence why it's amusing. This is Aquarian. In so many ways, this objective observation. And when we can objectively observe what comes up when we begin to quote unquote burn away the pollution of conditioning and start going, ooh, yikes, that part of my conditioning is something that I identify with. Okay, this might be a little bit uncomfortable. But when we do that, when the when the revolution is internal, when it starts inside of me and you and we, then the revolution is sustainable because then we're not copying symptoms, we're creating understanding. And when we create understanding, to again quote this version of the I Ching, we can be sincere. To quote it specifically, if one does not have understanding, one cannot be sincere. In other words, think about your actual deconditioning experience versus copying symptoms of what you think you should be. One is very sincere and the other one not so much. And you know, the, the thing that I see as a pattern is this is where we lose our humanness is when we start trying to copy symptoms rather than going, what is real for me as I move through my own experience? Copying symptoms, wearing the masks, that's conditioning. Is conditioning bad? No, not inherently. But we've been conditioned under a program into structures that I think we've outgrown. It's time to find a new shell. We've gone through enough cycles, enough turns of the wheel, enough orbits in this one. And that's, you know, that's the function of Pluto entering Aquarius is to say, yep, we burned down that old shell. We took it off. <laughs> now we need a new one. Now we need a new one. And that's the revolution. Now, another part of the definition of revolution is a sudden, radical, or complete change. Hence why Uranus and Aquarius are associated. Uranus tends to be the kind of embodiment of sudden, radical change. But I can tell you from my own personal observation of Aquarius as someone who has it very closely conjunct my ascendant is that nothing you know people tell me all the time including my mother who I love so much she's always like you're changing I don't know how to relate to you you're always changing there's always something new <laughs> and to me at first this used to beguile me because I'd be like what it's not new I've been internally grappling with objectively observing this pattern this structure that lives within me for so long and yeah, sure, it might seem like there's a new change to you, but I can tell you that for the last three years, I've been battling this one. I've been fighting this one. I've been destroying this one and building it back up. And now, now that I have the internal process finished, now it's coming to the surface. And so that's something I just want to, again, we kind of laid this out at the beginning of the episode, but something I really want to mm, belabor emphasize is, hey, these Aquarian Uranian changes and shifts, they start internal and they take time. And that is what makes them sustainable. The revolution has to start internal. It has to be 
a destruction of the structures so that you can build them up again so that all of a sudden after that internal process has come to an end you start to embody on the external the results of that internal restructuring of that internal evolution that internal revolution that internal process and so again see here you know <laughs> the intensity in my voice is primarily to say you guys we've kind of been tricked we've kind of been tricked and you know the first place i would blame <laughs> is myself and second to that is consumerism right and we don't even need to blame this it's just these are the structures we're conditioned by we're, we've been conditioned to when we have an issue a problem to look externally for a solution now speaking of solutions the gate four which is where the earth is transiting will be transiting as the sun transits through the gate 49 the gate 49 being the aquarian gate the gate four being the leonian gate the gate four is under pressure for solutions so think about a condition not self you have this gate 49 sitting in the emotional center all of a sudden the emotional wave lights up what the heck that's not okay i'm upset about this they didn't listen to me right this is a tribal gate by the way so very oriented to relationships and love honor obey what the heck all the tension builds discomfort occurs and the not self goes right up to the mind right it gets reactive about the emotion and it goes up to the mind to find gate four a solution a formula that allows the mind to justify the emotions and to get you out from under the discomfort by going this is the reason for the discomfort this is the reason for the tension this is the reason i'm so upset <laughs> logic as a pacifier for emotions but this is the not self because this means you're identified with the emotion and that then you're you're under pressure to to figure out a reason from your mind why you're emotionally feeling that way what if there is no reason what if there's no reason? What if there is not always a reason that's logical that we're in an emotional low or that we're held under emotional tension? What if some of it is biochemical? What if some of it is the influence of the transits? And then we do this whole mind dance narrative of finding a reason and then taking it to the person or taking it to you did this and da da da. Now I'm mad. Listen, I can, <laughs> I can, I can name this because I've done it. I've done it. Sometimes emotions are really uncomfortable. But this Aquarian gate says to us, hey, slow down for a sec. Feel what's occurring, but also watch your tendency to pop up into your mind and give it a logical reason. This is why the gate four is called youthful folly. And it's why through the lens of Richard Rudd's gene keys, the low octave kind of shadow state of the gate four is intolerance. Intolerance. Because again, and go back to the very beginning of the episode, we're taught to react, we're taught to identify with and then react to emotions as opposed to letting them flow through us and asking ourselves, hmm, what is this body 
awareness, this state of consciousness, this sensation trying to cue me into. Rather than struggling to provide an answer for why we're feeling what we're feeling in the now all of a sudden in order to get out from under the pressure of feeling it. And again, this is where Aquarius energy is going, hey guys, slow down a little because you've been taught to add a lot of value conditioning to your experience, to what you're experiencing. And while that's not necessarily a bad thing, some of it helps us to orient what actually feels true for you. What actually feels true for you in your process, right? A confusing, less than optimal, we could call it habit that we have is when we experience uncomfortable emotion to give it a reason. And then to kind of create a scapegoat and ask that scapegoat to change. Now again, I'm not saying any of this to create like, oh, you're so bad that you do this. We're so bad that we do this. But think about the point in time we're at. Think about this Pluto into Aquarius. Think about right now this new moon in Aquarius. This new moon squaring, creating a, a tension, a kind of internal tension dynamic with Uranus. This is a grand collective invitation to, to do things a new way, specifically for each of us, for each individual who is part of the collective. Again, Aquarius is humanity. It is the networks. It is the collective, but consider what the opposite is. Leo, the individual. Again, they're the same energy, different degrees. So what is the collective made of? Individuals. Where does change start? Where does the revolution start when it's healthy? Inside of each individual. Through understanding. Through understanding. Understanding creating sincerity. Creating more capacity. Creating more tolerance. Creating more clarity. Rather than copying symptoms. Rather than being under pressure to do it a certain way that we've been taught is the quote-unquote right way. So while... Uranus, while Uranus is transiting through Taurus, which it has been since like 2018, um, but while it's moving through this gate 23, a throat center gate, the gate of assimilating and explaining, the gate of splitting apart, I'm going to invite you to really hone your internal process Squares create internal dynamism, internal tensions that ask us to be creative. They ask us to be creative. <laughs> so when there's a new moon in the gate 49, the Aquarian gate 49 at 20 degrees of Aquarius, and it's squaring Uranus in the gate of assimilating and explaining or splitting apart, an archetype that says to us, hey, You've got to get rid of this moral filter if you want to really understand, right? The gate 23, quite literally, if I read from its description through the lens of human design, it says splitting apart, amorality, the awareness and understanding which leads to the acceptance of diversity. Diversity is there is no one right way. Amorality is not immorality. <laughs> it's not saying go behave in ways that are going to create consequences of pain. That's not amorality. 
Amorality is just saying stop juxtaposing a universal good or bad onto everything. Amorality creates awareness and understanding that leads to acceptance of diversity. So as Uranus, which is a learning planet, sometimes yes, it can sidetrack us and distract us, but it's a learning planet. It's here to create freedom, to to quote Natha Campanella, an astrologer that I love, Electra Astrology, it's Uranus invites us to break the chains. It invites us to break the chains. So as Uranus moves through this gate 23, this throat center gate, throat center being expression, action, metamorphosis, manifestation, can we take a second to go, oh yeah, if I want to create an internal revolution, I need to be willing to not see all of my internal process through good or bad and then react to it and try to get out from the pressure of the discomfort. I need to slow down and start watching the patterns so that I can split them apart, so that I can see what repeats, so that I can orient myself in a way that actually feels really good for me, in a way that's based on my truth, my inner authority, what I have energy for or not, the direction I feel pulled or not. Yes? Okay. So the last thing I want to cover here is just the, uh, the transit of the sun and earth through the gate 30 and 29, and just doing it a little bit more briefly because that's what feels right. Uh, not because these gates are less significant. They're certainly not less significant. And if we're looking at the kind of sun earth, uh, distillation we could say from the 13 and the 7 to the 49 and 4 into the 30 and the 29 we could say that this is a hey get oriented to your own way 13 and 7 g center so that your perception of your emotional experience is one of understanding rather than rather than reactivity 49 4 and in doing so notice how creating more understanding doesn't just create sincerity, it also creates this lightness, this buoyancy, so that rather than taking your emotions really seriously or having your emotional states create this kind of internal over-seriousness, this internal discomfort, as you feel emotional states that feel uncomfortable, that create a sensation of... I don't know about that. You know, rather than creating the over-seriousness of uncomfortable emotions that you're identifying with, can you instead recognize the feelings? You know, rather than reacting to the discomfort and saying, I have to get out now, can you actually discover what's there for you? Can you recognize? That's the 30 and the 29. The 30 is an emotional center gate called the gate of clinging fire. Again, Aquarian. It's a gate of feeling, of recognizing feelings and of having new experiences that help you to recognize feelings. You know, through the lens of the gene keys, Richard Rudd says, hey, the low octave, the shadow of this gate is desire. 
But in my opinion, he's not saying desire is bad. He's saying attachment to desire creates suffering because then when things don't go the way that we want them to, we're so identified with the pollution of conditioning that said that they should have gone that way that we don't actually have the embodied experience. Again, this gate 30 is part of what we call collective abstract circuitry, sensing circuitry. It's very much about having experiences and not being white knuckled to the way that we've been conditioned to think that they need to go. And instead going, cool, let me be here in my body, asshole breathed into, tension gone, totally present with whatever comes up so that I can open into enjoying it, feeling it, learning from it, being here with it. And so too, the gate 29, while it is not an emotional gate, it's a sacral gate, it's a life force gate, it's a responsiveness. The gate 29 is all about devotion. Yeah, it's called the abysmal, the deep within the deep. But it's about committing to a thing and having enough staying power to move through the discomfort, to move through the abysmal because you're not taking it too seriously because you know it's temporary and because if you are following your inner authority your sacral said uh-huh yeah we have energy for this or your emotional wave affirmed that you did or whatever your inner authority is is how you entered into the thing and therefore you know it's correct for you you can see how the the intent the origin of things really is important Meaning, you entered in because you had a yes. Or you entered in because you had a lack of a no. Splitting people, I'm talking to you. <laughs> or you entered in because you felt magnetized toward it. Okay, so those are the last gates of Aquarius. And you can really feel the storyline here. Now, before we close out, I want to share this quote. It is from a book called Inside Degrees by Elias Lawndale. And this book is really interesting to me because how my brain personally works is, I'm not going to give you the whole thing, don't worry, uh, is I like to feel interconnection between different takes on the same information. I like to feel overlaps in systems. It helps me to go, okay, cool. Here's a, a perspective of things that's multidimensional as opposed to just one view and then regurgitated. And what's really cool is that right as I started or right before I sat down, stood, I'm standing, <laughs> right before I stood at my computer to record this, I was like, you know what? I'm going to actually see what the 20th degree of Aquarius is because that's where the new moon is. And I'm, I'm curious if it correlates with the themes. So in closing here, I'm going to read this. And if you're not driving, invitation to just sit or stand or lay down. Take a deep breath into your nose. Breathe into your belly. Land in your body. Let your jaw soften and your eyes soften and your chest and your breast and your belly and your hips and your legs soften. And if you can, close your eyes. You know, if you're outside, look at the sun with your eyes closed, breathing in, looking up. And consider these words. Aquarius, 20 degrees, 
a fine silk thread strung across a chasm. Inward intention counts for everything. Outward results do not matter. You are dropped into remote places to be a subtle glue, a connecting intelligence just along the inside. Upon the outside, nothing happens. A tenuous sensibility stays tuned to subtle frequencies with celestial dispassion. You, you are remarkably absent from the daily rough and tumble of what seems to go on around you. Inexplicably and improbably, you indwell an otherness, an alienness which, consciously, has no idea what it's doing. But when you are around, other people find that there are blessings, breakthroughs, protections, and odd phenomena adding up to the impression that one is touched by something marvelous and strange. Being an empty, open vessel for the cosmic, an inhabiting, foreground consciousness, not at all. Just being there, nothing else is asked. Now, <laughs> take it, leave it, it's your choice. But what really struck me about this is the new moon's square to Uranus. And as I shared with you, the Uranus process, in my opinion, is quite internal until it bursts forth. The Aquarius fixed air process, to me, in my opinion, is quite internal until it bursts forth. And so, can we take the invitation of this new moon, this Aquarius new moon, square Uranus in Taurus, in the gate 49 of revolution, and do the inner dance, the inner process, knowing and trusting that in good time, it will burst forth to the surface, even if right now we can't see it yet. Even if right now we can't see it yet, can we take joy in? Can we enjoy? There we go. Can we enjoy the internal dance, the mundane internal dance that makes everything external feel magic. Oh, you're still here? Hi, hello. That concludes another episode of Magic in the Mundane, the podcast. Thanks for hanging. My name is Alyssa Trube, and I hope that you have enjoyed yourself. I hope that you have enjoyed yourself in listening to this podcast, in taking up the mental real estate, the mindscape, the time and space to tune in. And I hope that anything and everything that landed with you, that resonated with you, continues to weave itself through the rest of your day, through the rest of your night, through your dreamscape, and through your life. I know that I certainly enjoyed creating and recording this podcast, and again, I really thank you for your trust in tuning in. 
If you are feeling hungry to continue to explore the magic in the mundane, you can find more of my work at alyssatrube.com and or at alyssa underscore trube on Instagram. If you are feeling curious about any specific topics regarding those which are in my coaching human design guide and dietitian scope, I highly recommend reaching out, sending me an email, sending me a message, and letting me know what you want to hear about. As I've said many times through other social media channels, I greatly thrive on questions and requests regarding topics to explore and unpack. And this is how we weave the web of reciprocity in hopes that the content that we explore on Magic in the Mundane will have you coming back hungry for more every time. So enjoy. I will see you on the other side. And if you feel so inclined, it would be an honor if you would rate this podcast and give us a follow. Until next time, enjoy. Enjoy.